This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. On today, we will continue with the family life questions that we've been going over over this series of the topic around ministering to the family, spirit, soul, and body. Um, so we've had questions that came in from our members through this ministry, and we are embarking and answering and addressing these questions. Um, and so we have a question we want to get to on this morning. Before we do that, though, let's open up with the definition of marriage, because I believe that always sets the tone when we talk and go through these, these questions. And when I say uh, <clears throat> opening up with the definition of marriage, understand the thing that we talk, when we give responses, is always based on biblical is based on the truth is based on the word of god we're not giving our opinions up here or or man's interpretation it's basically just the truth of god's word and so make sure you receive it as a truth that's in god's word all right so the definition of marriage marriage is a divine institution created by god whereby two rational free moral agents choose to enter into a lifetime covenant with another imperfect person and again, that is so crucial in understanding and get a revelation of that as we go through today's question. And I'll, get, I'll read this definition again. Marriage is a divine institution created by God whereby two rational, free moral agents choose to enter into a lifetime covenant with another imperfect person. All right. And so here's today's family life question for this morning. If... The husband is passive. If your husband is passive, not trying to lead, what should a wife slash mother do? And I'll turn it over to Minister Hill. Amen. And I, I appreciate Minister Hayson starting off with the definition of marriage again because it's so pertinent to remember that it's God's institution, right? And it's for two imperfect people. Um, you know, I'm listening to the question here, and I, and I hear, you know, the person saying, well, you know, my spouse doesn't, what if they don't want to lead? Um, and, and in my mind, you know, when I hear that right off the bat, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, it sounds like you've made up in your mind what it means to lead. You've made up in your mind, you know, what's going on with your husband, but, but what about yourself? You know, because when dealing with God, he always talks about self-examination, right? This is God's institution, and, and the husband and wife should work together harmoniously, right? So instead of always looking outward, I believe you should start looking inward. And if you will, let's turn to First Peter, First Peter chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there. Um, because, you know, when you start looking at things like that, I'm not saying you... You shouldn't expect certain things from your spouse, but when you forget that it's God's institution and you start saying, well, they're not trying, they're not doing this, they're not doing that, you know, that's not what's going on, you know, you, you, you forget to look at yourself and forget that, you know, this is, it's a two-way street, right? This is, this is God's divine institution between two imperfect people, and I can't put my expectations on this person. I have to see what God's expectations are, because this person might be believing, hey, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm leading, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I can, so... 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, I'm going to read, and then I'm actually just going to focus on verse 1, but I want to read all of this. And it says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not 
let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. See, and that, that, that's what we're talking about, examining yourself, right? That's a, but, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of which is in the sight of God of a great God of great price. For the, after this manner, in the old time, the holy woman also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, long as ye do what, I'm sorry, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. And again, so I'm going to start here back at verse 1. It says, likewise ye, ye wives be in subjection to your own husband. And that's where I want to start off with. Um, you know, you hear that word subjection or you hear submission and wives immediately are like, hold on a second. You know, I'm not no pushover. I'm not going to be ran over. And we went over these things in the teaching, but I think this question bears some reminding of what the teaching says, right? So what is submission? And I'll tell you here again, submission is yielding to God's fixed system of authority. Remember, you know, it's his prescription. It's his expectations between two imperfect people. You know, so it's yielding to God's fixed system of authority and willingly arranging your life accordingly so that purpose is fulfilled. <clears throat> submission is voluntary and it's never forced. And I'm going to say that again. So submission is yielding to God's fixed system of authority and willingly arranging your life accordingly so that purpose is fulfilled. Again, submission is voluntary, and it's never forced. So this is something that each person in the, in the marriage, the imperfect person, has to do. We have to willingly submit ourselves unto the Lord first. That's what submission is. If you, if you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5 for me, and I'm going to read, I'm going to start at verse 21, because a lot of people think, well, I'm just submitting myself to my husband, or, 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 or vice versa. I'm just submitting, submitting. No, but submission in God's fixed system of authority, it starts with submission to Christ. That's the first one that you need to submit to. So Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verse 20, 21 through 25. And the very first verse says here, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So it's telling you off the bat, one, off the bat, first off you need to submit to God first. In the fear of God, in respect to Him, in obedience to Him and His methods that He has for the covenant of marriage. Then it says, verse 22, Wives, Submit yourselves unto your own husband. How do I submit? As unto the Lord. For the, head of the, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands. And, I, and I'm reading verse 25 just to touch a little bit on the husband, but this question was posed by a wife, so we're not going to dig into this, so don't think that we're just picking on you. This, this question was posed by a wife. But verse 25, husbands also love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So again, it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. So you have to first submit to Christ's leadership. It's only in submitting to Christ and abiding in his word and loving him that you'll find the ability, even, even though your expectations may not be met, you'll find the ability to, to submit to your husband while God's expectations are being met. Okay, but it's only by submitting to Christ. Look, in the good times and in the bad times, if you're submitted to Christ, you'll, you'll find what you need to be submitted to your husband, to be that virtuous woman, to overlook certain things that certain people can, you know, understand again, marriage is again between two imperfect people. That means somebody's going to mess up. It's not going to always be right. And God knows this. Remember, this is God's institution. 
So you can't place those type of expectations on them. What you need to do to, to be submitted to Christ, what you need to do is, or actually, I'm sorry, submitted to your husband. By being submitted to, to Christ, you put your husband in a position to lead. You reinforce the position that God has placed him in by putting him in a position to lead. And what do I mean by that? So, so first off, actually, let me deal with what submission is not. Because I don't want people to think that, well, are you saying that I have to do, I have to be totally submitting to what he's saying? I know he's not leading right, he's not doing that. Let's talk about what submission is not. It's not mindless obedience. Because you have to be submitted to Christ first as well. That means you need to know Christ's word for yourself. So it's not mindless obedience. It's not, it's not causing some, pulling somebody away from God, out of God, um, or to sin against God. If your husband is pulling you away and telling you to sin against God, listen, that, that's something totally, we've addressed that question. We've addressed that question already. So that's not what submission is. It's not being quiet about everything that the husband says and just going along with it. Because remember, as, as, as the wife, in God's covenant, he's created you to be the help meet. Which means you have something to say. It's, as a matter of fact, it's your duty as a wife to give him godly counsel, sound counsel that will help. Matter of fact, as a wife, it is your duty to, to give him that influence. That's the goodness that you give to his life. But, and, and also, again, submission is not, is not feeling like, well, the husband should be doing it all. No, you, you're going to share these responsibilities. It's not about him being, well, I'm the man and I have to do this and that. No, it's him fulfilling his, his position so that God's purpose is fulfilled. Remember, you have to play your roles. It's like, it's like in anything. You, you can't have a football game and have the running back trying to play the quarterback. It's playing your role so that we can win together in Christ, so that the purpose is fulfilled. So, what, you know, again, this is God's institution and his expectations. And there's some things that I believe that a wife can do that'll help position her husband or, like I said, undergird that position of, of, of lead that he has in the family. And so here's some, some things that I believe that you should do. First and foremost, I believe that you should always praise your husband. Verbally, um, publicly, for things that he's gonna do in the, uh, that he's gonna do in the future, that he said he's gonna do, that he's done in the past, and that he's currently doing. Praise him for his efforts. Amen. Commend him for being a leader in the home. Even if you don't, cause remember, you're playing your part. Even if you don't think he's made the right decision. Praise him for him. Thank him for stepping into that position as lead. And then, listen, if you have certain questions, you're like, I don't think that's going right, or, or, or anything like that, ask him. Uh, and then also, not just ask him certain things if you don't think are going right in your family, or, or with the children, or with work, or, or, or at the church. Ask him for things that, that you may think you have the answer for, but you've prayed and asked God. Ask your husband for advice, too. Go to your husband for that advice. And then if he gives, that'll encourage him as leader. And then here's another thing. If he gives you advice, do this. Follow it. If it's not telling you to go against God's, God's word, follow the advice. Even if you think that's not how it should be done. That's not what we should do. Follow your husband's advice. See, again, like I said, it's imperfect people, right? You're not going to make the, right, the perfect decision every time. But God has put you two together so that you can make it through this. Ask him, and then when he gives you the counsel, follow it. Yes. Trust him, and don't go back. If it, if it doesn't turn out the way you expect it, don't go back to him and be like, I told you so, I should have did this, I should have. No. That undergirds his position as lead. That takes away his confidence as lead. When the one person that, that he's trying to, you know, to have help him lead is like, I'm not helping you, I'm just watching you look like a fool. No, he needs that, that's what the help meet is for. And, you know, one other thing that's very crucial, and a lot of people say, well, I'm tired of doing this. 
is praying for your spouse. This goes, and all these things go both ways, but again, we're talking to, you know, from the perspective of the question, this question. Pray for your spouse. I'm tired of praying for him. I pray to Bob. I pr- pray for your spouse. Uh, listen, the power of prayer is what changes things. Pray for your spouse. Because here's the thing. When you pray, you're talking to God, and God is the only one with the power to change. Not you, in and of yourself. So pray for your spouse. Pray for your husband's walk. Pray for their integrity. Pray for their strength. Pray for their insecurities. Pray for their fears. Pray, pray, that, pray that God will allow to continue cultivating your husband to be the leader that he's called him to be. Uh, pray that you're going to be the helpmate that he needs to get him to that position where he needs to be. Because remember, it's all, and, and these things, the husband needs to start doing some retro, you know, some, some, some self-searching as well, but we're talking about, you, you're asking what needs to be done to, to make sure that the husband's leading well. Make sure that you're doing your part. Because let me tell you, these scripture, the scripture doesn't say, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, and, and husbands, make sure your wives submit to you. And it, it doesn't say do all that. It says you make sure you're submitting to your husband as unto the Lord. Husbands, you love your wives as, like, as Christ loves the church. Your wife, your wife shouldn't have to tell you to love me. Your husband shouldn't have to tell you to submit if you're submitted to Christ. Amen. And then, you know, in that way, you, you know, you'll, you'll be able to say, okay, God is dealing with me. There are some things that I can do to, to push, to push our, our relationship further so that I can have, so he can be in that position to lead. Because I'm going to tell you, and, and you can talk to your husband and things like that, but Make sure you're not coming with that disappointed tone, or you know that tone. You, you, in, in marriage, you, you you have those passive aggressive things that that breathe in, or that that you know, like well, I wasn't looking at him, but he can still hear you. You know those type of things. Don't do those things. Be genuine, be sincere. That way that you can win your husband. You know when you come with those other type of things, guess what? I guarantee you, because you're two imperfect people, it's gonna snap back, and then it's back and forth, back and forth. Do your part. Because that's going to cause the husband to either do his part or, 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 or ship out. Shape up or ship out. If they can't get with God's word. Amen. I love the, um, you know, the, the, um, the echoing of, of teachings that we've done before about, you know, pra- praising for, for what he's doing right. You know, don't always look for, for what's wrong, but look for the good and and strengthen the good in the marriage. Also, uh, you know, as he's leading, follow that lead. I mean, the whole purpose of, of leading is that leading does not require your understanding. Right? So as he's leading, follow that lead, as long as it's not going against the Word of God. So what I wanted to really focus on is, is uh, you know, really because this question is the, the wife mother saying, what should I do, is really the, the role uh, of the wife and mother and, and 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 husbands you should be listening to this as well children you should be listening to this as well because we talked specifically about you know what God will do in your life and in your marriage we talked specifically about what was required for you to do as a husband that you can't ask God to do what you must do as a husband that you can't ask God to do what you must do as a wife that you can't ask God to do what you must do as a child, because, you know, roles are not based on desire. Roles are not based on because you want to. You know what? Roles are not based on need. Because somebody is absent or you feel like they're not stepping up or you don't feel like that they are, are prepared or are committed. Roles are not based on, on need. Roles are based on purpose. 
roles are based on purpose and they, and they exist to serve God's purpose. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I grew up in, in a house where my, my dad wasn't there. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that, uh, that my mother, she taught me as I was growing up is that she was not trying to be a replacement for my father. I mean, I had regular interactions with him. We, we talked all the time, but he wasn't there in the home. And she wanted to make sure that I understood that, that number one, she was not trying to be a replacement for my father. And number two, she was not looking for a replacement for my father. Now listen, if you ever get confused about who you are and what you're doing and what your place is, just know that roles are not based on your desire. Roles are not based on your need. In fact, you, you can't step into a role that's not your role. Also, roles are, not, roles are not conditional, right? For you math geniuses out there, roles are not based on an if-then. If he does that, then I'll do that. If she's this, then I'll be that. If God makes this or if I understand that, then I'll do that. Roles are not conditional. Roles are based on God's commandments. And so his, his purpose must be established. His purpose must be served. And guess what? Because roles are not conditional, because roles are based on God's purpose, God gives you the strength and the ability to fulfill your role. Listen, God gives you the strength and the ability to fulfill your role. He does not give you the strength and the ability to fulfill a role that's not your role. As you try to walk in a role that's not your role, you're going you're gonna to realize frustration. You're going to realize that your efforts, they come to nothing. But as you walk in what God has called you to walk in, now you'll find that, wait a second, not only am I doing the work, but God is working with me. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, then it, it doesn't matter what, what society has set up for us. It doesn't matter if, if the other partner gets it yet or understands it yet, or maybe they'll get it down the road, if God be for us, who can be against us? You need to take this and make it personal and apply it in the most intimate setting in your home. Now, in this passage of 1 Peter 3, what I love is that, is that Peter, he's talking about, um, you know, wives be in subjection to your own husbands. And then he says, you know, how, how, how can you do that? How can you realize that in your, in your, in your, in your home? And he says that, that your husbands, they, they need to behold your, your chaste conversation, coupled with fear. In verse 3 it says, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold and of putting on apparel. Now what I love about Scripture, what I love about the Word of God is that, is that it, it, it presents you with, with situations that you may not have even considered before. But he says, your, your, adorning, your adorning, let it not be that outward adorning. And so when you look at that word adorning, that word adorning in, in, in the Greek, it also is it, very closely related to the word cosmos. And when you think about the cosmos, think about that God has placed the planets and he set up the system in such a way that stars that are billions of miles away impact what's going on on this earth. And so what God is saying is that as you, wife, as you are in position, as you are in your position doing what God has called you to do at this time, that you're having an impact that's far beyond what you even see right now. You're having an impact on things and people that are, that are far beyond just your house in just this time. 
It's, it, it's your place, it's your position. He says, don't let your adorning, that outward adorning, that's that ornamentation. Right? That's what you put on. You know, but also just think about that. You, you, you women that, 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 that adorn. I mean, every, every single thing that you put on in your adornments, you're, you're very careful about it. You're very, you're very specific and particular about every, 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 play, every color, every shade, the, the shading of the colors. Why is that? Because you're like, you know, I want this to have an impact. I want this to, to, to influence all those things that are around me. He says, don't, don't let your outward adorning be, be these, these things that are just surface deep. But let it be of the, the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. He says, let it, let it be that hidden man of the heart. You know, let me tell you, the hidden man of the heart, it, it's, it's not that man that's reactive. Right? It's not that man that's emotional. You know why? Because everybody sees that man. That man is all, it's, it's not hidden. That man is always on display. Right? It's, it's not that, you know, I'm going to just throw it out there and, and, and I'm going to be seen. I'm going to be heard. But that hidden man of the heart, that's, that's, that's that, that inner conviction. That's that, that, that inner judgment. Those inner values that says, you know what? I'm going to put this thing in place. And I, even though I may not see the, the result right now, it's not an immediate result. I know this is a seed that's going to be planted. And it's going to be watered and nurtured. And it's going to come forth in due season. That's the hidden man of the heart. And he talks about in meekness, a meek and quiet spirit. You know, what, what I love about that is that the, the, the attitude of meekness is it, one of humility. It's one of submission. It's one of an expectant trust in God. It's an expectant trust it's not, it's not that I, I trust that the situation is going to work the way that I want it to work out. It's not that I trust that somebody is going to do what I want them to do. But it's that I'm working with an expectant trust in God. If God be for us. If God be for us. You know when God is for you? When you're in your role. God is for you when you are in your role. That meek and quiet spirit is loving. It's patient. It has a gentle attitude towards others. You know, one of, one of the uh, um, illustrations that they have is that, that it has soft eyes. That it has soft eyes. What, what does it mean to have soft eyes? It means that when I, when I look at you, I expect the best from you. When I look at you and, and, and I see your, 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 your rough edges, your sharp edges, I round those out. Like, you know what? I'm not going to even, that thing that you said that was a little out of place, I'm, I'm going to let that pass. Because I'm going to focus on what the intention was. I'm going to focus on what the message was. I'm going to focus on what God's design is. That's what those soft eyes are. You know, to be, to be in position is it, to be soft-spoken. Now, to be soft-spoken, it doesn't mean to be mumbling. Right? It doesn't mean to, to be quiet when you should speak up. No, to be soft-spoken means to be clearly heard. To be soft-spoken means to be clearly heard. Some of the, the most powerful women that, I, that I've known in, in, in coming up were, were those that, not, not the ones that would, that would try to, and, and you see it in, in the children's ministry, not the ones that try to yell to shout the class down. 
but says, class, I need your attention. If you can hear me, raise your hand. And, 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 and one by one, they begin to raise their hand. They say, you know what, I, I, I'm listening. Not because you yelled at me, not because you shouted at me, but because you were clearly heard and understood. You're soft-spoken. Soft-spoken means that, that I'm removing the emotion from the equation. I'm not, I'm not going to let myself get caught up in the moment. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from, from, from that hidden man. From that hidden man. Being, having a meek and humble spirit, it means that I'm going to be consistent in word and in deed. I'm going to be consistent in word and in deed. You know why you respect your mother so much? Why you give grandma such great standing? It's because when they said it, they did it. When they said it, they did it. It may not have happened right then, but you knew. You know, if it was for the, it's for if it was for your good, or if it was it was, it was for your your chastisement and discipline. When they said it, you knew it was going to happen. So being consistent in word and in deed. Listen, with, within your role, your role is a full time occupation. Within the role that God has given you, that is a full time occupation. Husbands, the role that God has given you as a husband and father, it's a full-time occupation. What does that mean? It means that you have so much to do, so much of your own work to do. You don't have time to be inspecting other people's work. You have so much of your own work to do. You know, now some of you all know what I'm talking about. When you, when you have a full-time occupation, you don't have time to go checking behind other people's work, making sure that they did their job. He's like, look, when I get it, it needs to be done. When it comes to me, it already needs to be correct. I don't have time to go and correct your work and redo your work because my job is a full-time occupation. What am I talking about? Go to, go to Titus. Go to Titus chapter 2. Just, just give you a, an example of what, what this means to be a full-time occupation. He's talking to, uh, he's giving instruction for how, um, how how women should be trained and how they should be brought up, and this this is for the the older women to teach the younger women. How the older women should teach the younger women, but I love that it all comes from the Word of God. I love that it all comes from the Word of God. He's saying if if, if you need to get the details of how to make it work day in and day out, get with some of the older women. It says, well, I heard what the Word of God said. I want to apply the Word of God. But how do I, how do I make it fit in this specific situation? Work with the older women so that they can teach. Chap- Titus chapter 2. Just looking at verse, verses 4 and 5. It says that they may teach the young women to be sober. To love their husbands. To love their children. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good. I just love that. It, it, the, the word just says they need to just be good. Exactly. Obedient to their own husbands, 
that the word of God be not blasphemed. If you read that, read it closely. Read it over and over again. There, there are no conditional statements in there. It doesn't say, if, then. If, if, if this is going on, if this is happening, if these things are present in the home. It says, it's, it's in your role. You can, you can do these things. You can do these things. And that's what I mean by it's a full-time occupation. That in doing this, that, that, that you, you, you'll be more more than 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 than, than um, um, your calendar would be more than than full with what God has called you to do. Amen. And we're just going to pick up from right there because I think that is you know outstanding teaching you heard from these brothers here around the attitude that as a wife and a mother need to have. And in the same passage of scripture in Titus chapter two. Um, we're going to read this again, starting in verse 3, Titus 2 and 3. It says, The aged women, likewise, that they may be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Verse 4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. And, and I, I like how it says, love their husbands, and then it says, love their children. Right, and the, you know things are put in order for a reason. And again, we've been talking about this question about if a husband is passive and 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 they're not trying to lead. You know, what should a wife slash mother do? So let's talk about the aspects of the mother piece, right? Especially when it comes to the children. Uh, you still have responsibility, uh, wives, to to love your husbands, right? You have to love them. And what what I mean by love them? Love them in front of the children, right? You see that love their husbands, and love their children, right? Those are two separate statements. What I mean by that, don't put down your husband in front of the children, right? And th- you got to show that man respect in his home, right? And, that, and that's something, I, and again, the person asking this question, that can be hard to do because, again, you've already passed judgment on him saying he's not leading, and all of a sudden you let the children know he's not leading either. You know, like, Dad ain't got nothing to say. Daddy, he's so stupid either. We're not even going to ask daddy. Just come, you need anything, baby? Just come talk to me. Right? We just ignore daddy. Right? And, and again, that's not the proper attitude that God has in the home. That's not his order. Right? So that means husbands, I mean wives, love your husband. Don't put him down in front of the children. Honor him in his home. Show him respect in his home. Right? Don't go railings for railing. Don't, don't criticize him in his own house in front of his children. Regardless of what he's doing or not doing. You know, this is one thing, I, husbands, you can realize if you've been married for a while. You realize, uh, husbands, that your, your wife is not your mother. You know what I mean by that is that, you know, she, she's, hey, you may be at 99% right, but she can remind you of that 1% you got wrong. Right? Well, mama's like, oh, baby, you're doing, you're so, doing so good. But the wife, like, you messed up here, and this is your issue, and we're going to let everybody know. You know, and so these are the things is wise. Understand that, that balance you need to have, right? Keep it separate. Don't, don't drag the children into the issues you may have with your husband. You know, keep that private. You know, those, those are those private conversations. And again, like Menacee mentioned about giving them an opportunity to lead. You know, giving them an opportunity to lead in front of the children. You know, what I mean by that is, you know, there's spiritual things that you can have your husband do. You've got to do everything in the house spiritually. Let your husband do some things. Simple things is praying over the meal. You know, y'all sit down and eat. You know, ask your husband to pray. Right? I'm telling you, you better know who you marry. 
you know, you married in the Lord, he should be able to pray over a meal. All right? If he can't pray over a meal, that's a whole other conversation we need to have in premarital class. You, you know, why you married that brother. But I'm saying, just put him in an opportunity where he can lead spiritually in the home. So he can be able to ask questions. You know, again, we have children ministry here that you bring your children to church after services are over. You know, have them say, okay, what did y'all learn today? Ask the children that. You know, where is mama doing everything? Let me see what the assignments they gave you, or, or not assignments, or, or the work that y'all went over. Let me see your craft that you did in children ministry. You give him a chance to show leadership in the home on a spiritual aspect, spiritual side. That's important, wives. Because, again, it's almost like you, you just shut him out that he's just uh, somebody that's in the house, but he's not part of the house. Right? Make sure you understand that, wives. You know, make sure you put him in position to lead, and don't put him down in, in, front, of the, in front of the children. And then the other thing, don't put your husband down in front of other women. You know, I heard this thing about praying for your, your, your husband. You need to pray for him. You need to praise him, right? That means you need to talk to God about his issues. And then still broke down those issues, right, that a husband may have. And again, wives, you know. You know your husband. You know his insecurities. You know his struggles. You know his, you, you've been with him. You know. But you ain't got to broadcast it to every, all your friends and, and, you know, social media outlets telling them how bad he is or how inadequate he is. Again, don't put your husband down in front of others. And this is a good one, right? Definitely don't put your husband down in front of, you know, your family. Right? Your mom and daddy and them. Right? I'm telling you, your parents don't even want to hear about it. Let, let them have their view of your husband the way he is. He's your husband. Well, mom, you know, he ain't doing this. And mom, dad, he's not doing that. Well, hey, you know, here's my response. You married him. Right? You and covenant, lifelong commitment. That, that's between you and him. And, and now it's between you and him and the Lord. Got nothing to do with your parents. So again, I'm just saying these things. Learn these things, right? Whatever he's doing or not doing, right? Take that to the Lord in prayer. Don't put him down in front of you know your children. Don't put him down in front of your parents. Don't put him down in front of your friends, right? Conversation, text messages. Don't be texting about your husband how bad he is, right? You know, again, these are things, practical things, wives, about what you should do. Because again, like Minister Eberhard said, you got a full time job as it is on your own. And, and so if we look at this, and it's interesting, we look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Go to 2 Timothy 1, because we're in Titus, go back to 2 Timothy. It's an interesting thing we, we uh, talk about here in this ministry around Timothy. And I just things I just catch, that's, we interject some things, but some things are not even there in the scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Again, talking about the aspects of the mother piece of what you should do. Second Timothy 1, starting in verse number 5. 2 Timothy 1 and 5. It says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I persuaded, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee, by the putting on, on my hands. And so you see here that Paul is admonishing Timothy about the faith. And you see, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that was in your grandmother. And then was in your mother. He says, also in thee. Now notice who's absence in, in Paul's conversation. The father. But here's the thing. Paul never puts down his dad. Let me say this. He didn't put down his granddad either because he's mentioned his grandmother. He mentioned his grandfather. Paul never puts down the male factor in Timothy's life. Right? And no, we interject things. We take this passage and start saying things about 
what his father was doing or maybe his grandmother was doing. But Paul never said anything about them. Well, you know what Paul reminded Timothy of? The faith. And so, again, understand this. When you stand before God, when it comes to raising children, wives, and mothers, we all got to give an account for raising a godly seed. Regardless of what your husband is doing or not doing, you still are responsible for raising a godly seed. What I mean by that? Putting the faith of God in them. Lead them to a place where they can receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and walk in it. Reminding them of the things that God has called them to do. Right? And, and that's your responsibility, regardless of him. And so you're not here to put them down. You're not, you know, Paul didn't say, well, you know, you got a sorry, regardless of what happened, you got a sorry daddy, you got a sorry grandfather, but well, we thank God for you. You know, you didn't turn out like them. None of that is written here. Never puts any of his, his, the male factor down. So that means wives, don't put them down. Grandmothers, don't start talking about your granddad. Again, grandmothers, you marry that man. You know, don't talk about how bad granddaddy was. Don't say these things in front of your children. Right? Learn these lessons. Talk to them about the faith of God and how they need to live after the faith. Regardless of the situation. Regardless of the circumstance. Right? You know, regardless if they led or didn't lead. It's all about the faith and they carry on the faith. Passing that forward. They have to move forward in Christ. And again, the whole thing, as long as they get it. That's the whole matter. Hey, if your husband takes credit for work that you did, praise God. That's a good thing. You don't need all the credit, women. And it's okay that your husband take credit. Right? Because trust me, you ain't doing everything right either. Remember, you're imperfect people, two of them. So th- th- that's the thing I want to make sure we drive home. All the things have been said. You know, don't put down this man in front of your, your, your children or your friends or others. Amen? All right, brothers. Other things you want to mention? Go ahead. One thing I wanted to add is, um, you know, as we've been talking about this and we were talking about your roles and, and, and your responsibilities, just know that, that, you know, your roles are different than tasks. Right. If, if, if there's ever any confusion, if there if there's a task, you know, I have dishes in my home. Anybody in my house can wash dishes, but there's only one person in my house that's a father. There's only there's only one husband in my house, right? So don't don't let your task right go lacking because you get confused about your role. Just know that you that there's you, you can only be who you are. You can only be who God has made you. But they, there are some tasks: bringing the children to church, right? Getting them to choir rehearsals. There, there, there's some some tasks that that are agnostic. It, anybody can do those things. At, at a certain point, some some of your older children are going to bring your, your younger children to rehearsals, right? So that's just a task. That that's not a part of your role. So keep those tasks separate, and remember to operate within your role. Amen. Remember that operating your role. And so we're going to finish up here in 1 Timothy. Again, we start at chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Look at this in verse 8. It says, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarize. Blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. And, and so keep that in mind in your marriage, in your relationship. Again, these things you've been taught. Be of one mind. And, and again, that mind is the mind of Christ. We heard that, right? You're married in the Lord. The one mind, is, regardless of what he is, my, my mind is on Christ. 
regardless of where she is. My mind is my one mind is, is aligned with Christ. And I'm going to have a path, compassion for one another. Remember, that is your husband. That is your wife. And again, all these scriptures we read, you know, remember, it's very clear. It says wives, X, Y, and Z. Husbands, X, Y, and Z. It didn't say husband and wives. Again, the minister of our keeps breaking it down, right? You have a particular role as a wife, and husband's got a particular role as a husband. It's not a combination role. There's no combo in the house. Right? And so, again, but when my one mind is all lined up with Christ. We're on one accord as being husband, as being wife. We're on one accord in raising the godly seed. So I'm going to show compassion towards one another. I'm going to be pitiful. I'm going to be courteous. They need to see the love you have towards your husband in your home. Right? That is so important. Wives, they need to see it. That means you don't render evil for evil. You know, you don't go tit for tat. And that's what's already been said. He says something, and here you go, you snap back. And then he's going to snap back, and then the children are seeing all that. The children start snapping back. Everybody's snapping. Right? Evil, that's evil. Railings for railings. Accusations for accusations. But be a blessing. You know, I heard that. Be a blessing, right? Go off and be a blessed. Be blessed and be a blessing. I heard that this, over this past weekend, right? Be, be blessed and be a blessing. That is so important for us to live our lives. Be a blessing. Because you are blessed. Show forth the praises of God who brought you out of darkness into your marvelous light, to his marvelous light. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.